Right, so we're there, we're on page 801. But we're not going to, I'm going to start with a Bible quote, which is not from there. And let's see whether any of you can actually complete this for me. This is what uh, Jesus said. By this you will know that you, oh sorry, by this will they know that you are my disciples, that you, that you love one another. Do you get this? Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, right, you're my gang. You've tasted my grace and mercy, and this is how other people who are not part of my gang will know that you're part of my gang, that you love one another. Oh, I meant that. Love one another. Oh, should we just have a big hook? Oh, we'll have a nice big, like, loving, and a, oh, and we'll just sing, and we'll smile, and oh, isn't that, that's, is that what he meant? No, because in the Bible, love is less of an, of an emotion and more of an action. Love is something that you do. Love is something that we can all do. And love is action, therefore, because it's not a feeling and it's an action, love is something that Jesus said, listen, if you have come near to what I do for people, then this action will be the defining mark, not of your individual lives, but of this corporate life. Now listen... Scousers, unlike anybody else in the whole of the UK, are able to understand this idea of when Jesus says, you love. Because we're the only people in the country who have um, a plural first-person pronoun. You say, what? Okay, everywhere else, when somebody says, you, but what do we say? Use. By this will all men know that use are my disciple, that yous love one another. It's a community project, isn't it? That's what the Lord Jesus is interested in. We get it better than anybody else. And the Lord Jesus is saying to us in this bit, you have, well, we'll come to this yet, let's see, what is driving this? It's not, if yous love one another, then I will love you. It's because I have loved you, that yous will love yous. Have I totally lost you? Are you okay? Right, we're, we're, we're okay. Brilliant. The Bible tells us, and we know it should be true, that when you've met with Jesus, a radical new community will be seen, and it will be marked by love that is like his love for us. Do you know, I'm so glad that when the Lord Jesus looks down on me, he doesn't just say, Oh, Steve, I love him. Now, his love had a shape. In fact, it says in the Bible that he loved us. Past tense. Not that he stopped doing it, but past tense continues. In he did something for us that means that we can always know whether we love. Some of you are sitting there and you're thinking, I've had a terrible week, I've messed it up, things haven't gone according to plan, and I'm racking my brains going, how can, God, how, can, how can God love me? And the Bible says, you can know that God loves you because he loved you. You see, a point came when Jesus would put his love into action, when he would say, you are far from me, you can't get near me, you've cut yourself off by, uh, from God's love by the choices that you've made and the way you've treated other people, but I, my love will fly into action and come and rescue you. I will pay the price for your sin. I will bring you near. I will give you mercy. I put my love in action, and if you taste that love, I tell you, you will not be the same again. Why? You know, what, what, was it, what did you say was going to happen to me, title? Love generator. 
Do you like that? I like that. Now, this is, sorry, I've got to get technical. I've never bring science into this until today. Who knows what a generator is? What's a generator? Think of a generator. It doesn't produce it, no. What's a, what, what, what's a generator? Come on, come on, Koch is like, he's the engineer and he's like, well, do you want the technical response? But he doesn't want to say the wrong thing if it's shown up. Come on, what's a generator? Brilliant, he's admitting he's clueless. Brilliant. A generator is something that take, turns one thing into another. So an electrical generator takes chemical energy, petrol, petrol energy, you know, it's in there, and a bit of black magic, hey presto, out comes electrical energy. Yeah? Is that, you knew that, didn't you? That's what they were saying, okay? Okay, so... It's not because you're female and he's male, honestly. Right, so here you go. If you taste Jesus' mercy, it will do a work of generation in you. It will do so. It will take... Well, let me give you an example. Do you remember the sad account of Anthony Walker's murder over in Heighton a few years back? Do you remember that? And some thugs, through a racist at- uh, attack, took an ice pick and killed a 17-year-old lad at the bus stop over in Heighton. Do you remember that? And there was an outcry across Merseyside. It was national coverage. People were wanting to know about it. They were talking about it. They were saying, how on earth could this? And they were gunning for blood of the people who did it. But do you remember that Anthony Walker's mum is a believing Christian? And she went and she sat in the courtroom and she eyeballed the, the lads who were responsible for it. And she came out on the court steps and she said, you know what? I forgive them. And I'm going to go on forgiving them. And suddenly the mood in the media changed, didn't it? It got generated. It got changed from energy of of hate, anger, bitterness, frustration, angst, um, self-righteousness, we're better than them, to forgiveness, hope, aspiration. And the result of it is, is that she started to trust in the foundation of that's actually having a positive effect. Do you see what happened? Mercy, grace, forgiveness did the action of, well, it was a generation, wasn't it? It moved from that to that. Listen, if you have been brushed with mercy, God's mercy, you will be changed, and the way that you'll be changed is you will become more full of mercy, more full of love. And so into our passage, have a little look here. Look, look. Love, oh, actually, let's start a bit further back. The place where it starts is, at the, you know, the big number 12, the start of the chapter. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, that's your horizon, that's your backdrop, that's the reality that you're living in, remembering every day, I am, I'm not as I was, I'm a saved and rescued sinner, I've tasted God's kindness, to me, even me, and that's the, that's, if you like, the sunshine you wake up to every morning, when you fall out of bed, when the alarm goes off, you don't, you, the big thing isn't just getting the kids breakfast and getting them out of I've been shown mercy. When that is the big thing, only a few verses down, what happens? Verse 9, love must be sincere. In fact, go back to verse 1 again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do you get this? God's not so much interested in what you sing on a Sunday but he's more interested in saying, here's the mark that you've met with me, is that through the week, you'll have a sincere love for people. Let me just read these quick, 16, uh, these quick seven verses. They're very short, 
And I could spend weeks on it. I'm going to just pick out a few themes. But let's just read verse 9 again. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. I wonder whether you can recognize God in this. Can you see his character in each of these things? Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people. This is all what love looks like. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Now, that's love in action. It's not the full list. It's not an exhaustive list. But that is, if you're falling out of bed in the morning with God's love and mercy defined, defining you and written over your life, these are the things that increasingly you'll pick up and you'll start to build. Now, we're going to find it hard to do that, and we'll find that going through. But what I want to do is I just want to summarise the whole theme of this. Do you remember last week, if you were here, the church was described as what? Start with a B, A, a body. Here we find church people, people who have met with Christ, are defined as a family. Verse 9. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. So the whole feel of this is a family feel. Do you get that? A family feel. Now I want to pick out four quick themes about what a family is like, and you'll know it because you've all had good and bad experiences of a family. This is four things that come out here is to show what this family that are living in the light of God's mercy that are enjoying his love, how they will be loving to one another. Okay? First thing there, love must be sincere. That's one of the ways you can translate the Greek, but there's another way you can translate the Greek, which is, um, it's, it's a negative. So, love must be sincere, but the other translation is, love must not be hypocritical. Do you get that? Now, you remember, a hypocrite is somebody who's an actor who wears a mask and prepend, prepares, sorry, pretends to be something they're not. So, what is, according to the Bible here, at the heart of what, where you begin with real family love? Well, in a family, you can't hide for very long. You know, only the teenagers say, I can go in and shut my door, nobody come in here, you're not allowed in, this is my space. But even if the parents listened to the teenager and didn't go into the room, they'd be breaking the law, because everybody knows that you're nuts to leave a teenager with total privacy. So although you give them a little bit of leeway, at the same time, there's an openness, there's an honesty, there's a fact in that we can't have masks, can you? See, within a family, there's that transparency as far as wisdom is possible. In fact, in the Latin... I can't quite remember the word, but it's, it's negative again. It's uh, no wax. Love has no wax. And you say, hold on, where does that come from? Well, back in the first century, they had all these um, masons who would you know, do statues, you know, the artists, and they'd go for a lot of money. But if, in the process of making the statue, you sort of took a chunk out of the wrong place and sort of you know, skewed it a little bit, you get these wax in there to cover over the gap and put Pretend there's no imperfection, yeah? And so, what some of the masons who are particularly good would do, or particularly honest, would say, actually, it's not advertise it underneath and say, no wax. Because this is as it is, that's the real deal. We need to be a church family where it's okay to not be okay. 
you get that? Because so often church is a place, well people think that, don't they, out there? People think that church, you, what you do is you get yourself sorted out there, then you come in here pretending that you're something you're not. And we don't help that, do we? Because on the one hand, we want to uphold new life in God, and so we try and show that off, and sh- show that off, and show that off, and it just makes us look like we're showing off. But actually, who are we? If, we, if you're a believer today, you are simply a sinner saved by grace. You're a sinner from start to finish, but you're declared a child of God by his grace. And I realise I'm not asking people to stand up now and have a big love and say, do you know what I did this week? But I'm, what I am saying is that don't pretend to be something you're not. Have relationships near you where you can be honest and say, Steve, I've really screwed up this week. And I'm not so much bothered that I've screwed up because of what happens to me, but I'm bothered because it, it's hurt other people and it's ruined the name of the Lord Jesus. I haven't represented him. Steve, will you pray with me and help me? We need to have a love that is sincere. We've got a family love that's honest about who we are and we accept people for who they are and we ask them to accept us for who we are. Does that happen in a family? You can't get away from it, can you? And it's supposed to happen in the church. Next one, here we go, next family right, okay. Families, family love is supposed to be sincere. Family love also is supposed to, there's a bond there, isn't there? There's a little bit of a claim. So it's my mum's birthday this weekend and... You know, if, if it was, for some of, perhaps for some of you who don't know you quite as well, and if it was your birthday party and you asked me to drive 100 miles to go to your birthday party and then come all the way, I'd sort of be a little bit hesitant, wouldn't I? But it's my mum and we're close and so I drive, you know. There's a claim there, there's an expectation, isn't there? There's a sense in which they've got a right over us in some way. We're still individuals, but, you know, we're, there's a bond there, there's an affection. In fact, that word there, brotherly love, um, it's, uh, sorry, being devoted there actually means um, uh, loving affection. So when I run in the house and there's my little kid, they come running up to me. I just, my heart fills up. They've got a claim on me. There's, there's something there. There's a balance. Get that? That's really helpful when you look at verse 10. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourself. The worst and most unfamily-like, unbonded-like love is when you see somebody in your family who are wrecking their life, going off the rails, burning their whole life up, and you say and do nothing. It'd be terrible, that, wouldn't it? Terrible. Pardon me. We'll come out to that in a minute. Brilliant. Well done. What do we do? If, what do you do if they don't want help? Brilliant. Let me just make this point, then I'll come back to that straight away. Thank you for bringing that up. So here's little Amy. Oh, it's always little Amy, isn't it? Little Lucy. Okay, when she gets a bit older, and she's running around the house with a carving knife, or she's got my blowtorch out there, and she's like giving it a, you know, and she's running around like an absolute nut, and she's about to burn her whole life up. And I just say, well, it's a free country. It's all right. I don't want to step on her liberties. She might not like me if I take that blowtorch off her while she's trying to set her head on fire. Would that be loving? No. It wouldn't. And this immediately tells us, okay, I want you to listen to this, it's very important, that church isn't a club. Now, I realise that some of you are visitors here and you haven't been coming very often, and I hope you just, I hope you listen to this and want this. 
Because this is what you need if you're to grow and, and know all of God's grace in your life. I really hope you get this, because church isn't a club where you just turn up. It's not like bird watchers. You know, you go to a bird watching club, and you go there, and what you suppose, what's the thing that binds you together? Is you, well, you go there twice a week, and you talk a little bit about birds and bird watching, and you know, you're train spotting, you check your little books, and who's got which number from you know, which great locomotives. And, you know, and that's, that's the level of bondedness, claim, and expectation on each other's lives. Agreed? So if you were to walk up to somebody in the train spotting club and say, listen, mate, um, I'll tell you what, your mouth is flying off like that. Like, you know, are you sure that's the person you want to be? Or you turn to somebody else and you say, listen, love, why are you going out? Why are you going out with him? Listen, mate, she, she's no good for you. What, what, what are you doing? What are you thinking? And if you're in the train spotters club, what are they immediately going to say to you? Uh, hello? Uh, can we go back to talking about trains? Uh, no entry, can't come in. But in a family, it's not just a right, it's a, it's a necessity. You speak into one another's lives. And can I tell you, on the back of what Linda's asking then, it's hard, isn't it? And this is the test as to whether you're doing it right or not. It's really a struggle for you. If you're wanting to sort of, if you're sitting here, right, Steve's given me open season on her and him and him and him and him, I'm going to tell him what for. How come the big guns, baby? Is that what is meant by brotherly affection? No. I'll tell you what will happen is your love will spring into action. And it will be a struggle. It's like, how do I win them? And you start to pray. And you pray and say, Lord, I just want to, I can see them hurt themselves and burn up their life. And I just want to say something. In fact, how do you see God's love? No, 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 let's go back. How do you, when will you see my love as a parent at its most rich? Is it when my kids are doing fine? And they're all doing affection? Is that when you see my love the most? Well, you'll probably see my love and affection. But I'll tell you what. You're not, you know this, don't you? It's when, it's when they go off the rails. And suddenly, it's not that I love them more, but my love is more tangible and more seen. It springs into action and it goes after them, even at great cost to myself. Even if it means that I have to change my plans, spend my money, um, look bad in front of others, I will do whatever it takes to bring them back because of my love for them. Not because I want to say, ha ha, I told you so. Not because I'm moral. It's because I love them. When's God's love most seen, most clearly for you and me? It's when we're sticking up the two fingers at him and saying, I'm not interested, I've heard it all before, do one, Lord. And Christ comes and pays, doesn't he? He pursues us. See, in this family love, we are put together by God to be his means of grace to one another. And sometimes God doesn't choose to use a megaphone from the sky to say, you, sometimes he sends somebody who you probably wouldn't have asked him to send. So it is hard, isn't it? What if they don't want to hear? Well, our, our job, our job is to prayerfully, lovingly, humbly, cautiously, gently, Sometimes painfully, patiently, be there for them, pursue them, and help put a bucket of cold water on their burning life. I've got to move on. You can ask me questions about this. I'm so made up you want to ask questions. We'll move on, come back, because I don't want to get too specific, but there's other good stuff in here we, we must look at. Okay? Right, where were we? right, so that was the second one. There's, there's a first one was love must, family love is sincere in the view of God's mercy. Second of all, it's bonded, it's bound together, he's put us together, and it pursues people in love. Next one. Um, oh yes, oh, it's dangerous. Oh, it's 
dangerous. Let's, let's, read, let's read through and see that, okay? Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are need, uh, in need, practice hospitality. Oh, sorry, I should have read it again, back at the verse, verse 10. Be devoted to one another. It is, it's costly, it's demanding, it's dangerous. You put yourself at risk when you choose to love somebody. A loving action may cost you a lot. So this idea of being devoted to people in the church family. Okay? I don't find it too difficult to be devoted to my own kids. What does it look like to be devoted to my own kids? It means that um, my own kids affect the way I spend my money. And what I use my money for. My being devoted to my own kids um, changes the way I plan my diary. There are things that I miss out so I can be with them. Um, it changes about the way that well, I protect them and pursue them and when they're facing all those kind of things. And here Paul is saying, listen, if you're in the church family to some degree or another, and I don't want I've got to be cautious here, haven't I? If I start spelling out exactly what this looks like, you'll start saying, well, I'm doing it, and they're not, and you'll use it to be proud and arrogant. And you'll become a Pharisee. So I'm not going to spell it out for you, but all I'm saying is this. There seems to be this... Look, it's costly. Okay? You can see, look, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You'll be emotionally exhausted. You give yourself to somebody, it will wear you out. So you need to get around people who are in your church family who will just, you know, that zeal, that idea of burning passion. Do you know, I love to be around people who love the Lord Jesus. I love it on a Thursday night. Monday with the, the, the seniors at Welcome Club or Thursday night at Fellowship Group, I'm like, hmm, which is my favourite bit. Because both groups keep me going. They, well, they wear me out and they're great fun. These are... They, our little fellowship group, they keep me going. Because I can guarantee that on the days when I'm like, I wish they would leave my house, some of them are there and they're like, do you know what the Lord did in my life this week? And they renew my zeal. The times when I forget that God is good, I don't want them around, just go away. They come in and the Lord just blesses me through them. Because it's exhausting when you're giving yourself to people all the time, isn't it? Hospitality, I mean, what's all that about? So if some of you went out last night and spent twice the amount of money that you would normally spend on your Sunday shopping and got up this morning early and made twice as much stew as you would normally do, why? For the privilege of having somebody around and sharing your life with them. It's costly, isn't it? But what a beautiful thing. There we go. What about that one there? Um, uh, Share with God's people who are in need. Now, apparently in the original Greek language, that's about money. Now, I'm not going to tell you what that looks like, but let me ask you this. If there's ways in which you haven't used your money to bless other people, could it be that the Lord might be nudging you a little bit? How you can be showing family love? And it is unsafe, and it is costly. And what if, it would be all right doing all of that costly hurt if they appreciated it. But you know what? Sometimes you'll do all that costly stuff, and what will happen? It will be back in your face, won't it? All that emotional energy. And do you know what? That's a gift to you. Because when that happens, you get to ask yourself the question, who was I doing it for? Was I doing it for the love of the Lord, or was I doing it so that I would get a buzz back, so that I'd look good in front of other people, so that actually I'd feel like a better person? In fact, if there was any of those few reasons there, then who were you actually serving? You weren't really serving them, you weren't serving the Lord. Who were you actually serving when you were doing your serving? Yourself. 
That's costly, isn't it? And it, it will hurt a little bit. And I just want to say this. Uh, this is a great quote from C.S. Lewis about somehow, which sometimes when you, when you step out with love, because some of you, you've been hurt, you've been burned, and it's hard for you, isn't it? This is what C.S. Lewis says. Love anything, and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. You want to keep it safe and intact? Give it to no one. Wrap it up carefully with your hobbies and your little luxuries. Avoid entanglements with real people. Lock it up safe in in its casket of selfishness. But, there in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, your heart will change. It will not become broken. It will become cold and unbreakable. Impenetrable and irredeemable. The only alternative to the risk of tragedy is damnation. The only place outside heaven where you can be safe from the risks of giving your love to people is hell. So I want to say to you, be, be rich with your love. Be rich, be generous, give it out. It will be unsafe though. Some of you are nursing that broken heart and, and feeling as if I don't know whether I can get back on the horse. Well, the reason that you can get back on the horse is because Christ says, I've got your heart. And there are things that people can do to you, but they can only do so much to you. There are things that they can throw back in your face, but they can only throw back in your face because my love for you is untouchable, can't be moved and can't be changed by what you do to others and what they do to you. Now, does that give you and me, that mercy, does that give you and me the ability to go and be risky in our love? Maybe that person, you can think of it, that person who has just one too many times stepped over the line. That person, and we're going to look at that all next week about how we, do, how we deal with that. So if you've got questions about that, wait till next week. But, uh, maybe just worn out and exhausted and, oh, I've tried and didn't work time. Maybe you're worried with your own. The thing that gives us safety is Christ's mercy to us. And so finally, very quickly, we've seen that family love here, family love is uh, on sincere. Um, it is, well, it's bonded and got a claim on you. It is unsafe and risky. And finally, I was trying to think of a good way of saying this, it's, um, it's potluck. You see that here in this passage. Let me read this little bit to you. Uh, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And in here, we, we sort of got the feeling that going on within this family is a right royal hodgepodge of people. In fact, back we know from the, from, uh, the book of Romans, that in the church, there were the Jewish Christians and the non-Jewish Christians. And they would look across the room at each other with a little measure of contempt. So the Jewish Christians would say, we are the people of God from all of history, don't you know? Yeah, but we're the ones who've been grafted in. You're, you lot just walked out on God, didn't you? We, we're the ones who've grafted in. We're the new favourites. And so they'd be looking down on them, and they'd be looking down on them, and all they would be seeing is their differences... And that's why we've got that verse in there, you know, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with low position. Because actually, when you get God's mercy, you can't look at other people like that again. Let me give you an illustration. Imagine two um, boat crews who are racing in a big boat race across the Atlantic Ocean. 
And they've got the, both of them got the really flashy boats with the nice graphics on the side. They've got the super duper captain who really knows the way that they go in. And they're looking across the sea and they see the other one and they're yelling abuse and say, we're better, we're going to win. And they're both trying very dangerous tactics. Uh, scene cuts to a helicopter with both of the boat crews in. And it's a rescue helicopter. Because it's in their cockiness and arrogance and showing off and trying to show how good and big they are. What have they both done? Capsized, fallen over. The mood on the way out, look at us, look at us, we're better than you, we're better. Cocky and arrogant, but can you imagine what the mood on the way back on the helicopter was? Suddenly they see that because they're both failures, both teams are failures, they realise that they're actually both in the same boat. And it's a rescue boat. See, I don't know what you're good at and what you're bad at. I don't know what you're proud of. I don't know what kind of people that you most associate with. I mean, if you look at we are we are the most mixed bunch in the whole of speak. And that tells you something, doesn't it? It tells you that there's a realisation that whatever kind of people we may like, want to be around, in the light of God's grace, knowing that we're merely people who have been rescued, we realise that we're all in the same boat. And so... You're going to be next to people, potluck, who you wouldn't have chosen to be next to, would you? And as you learn to love within that family, what you'll be doing, I mean, yeah, I mean, look at you three in it, look at at this, it's ridiculous, nuts, bonkers. Why? Because the gospel, God's mercy says, do you know what? Whether you're good, bad, this, educated, not educated, from whatever background good-looking, not-so-good-looking, whatever shape, size, age, whatever you are, you're in the same boat and you're needing Christ's mercy and that will bring you... C.S. Lewis also wrote, always bring up cats and dogs together because it broadens their mind. You see, everywhere else in speak, people gather only with people like them, don't they? So they're in the, you know, they're down in the Ambrose, and we go there, and that's where we go. Oh, they're over in the Chrissies over there, or in, there, in that, that major X, okay. The people in the Ambrose don't gather with trumpet players, and they're worse off for it. Don't gather with... Do you get the... Are we the richest of people? Yes! And that is God's doing, and God's grace. So what do I want to encourage you to do? Would you please, please, you don't have to audition people anymore. Can I get on with them? Do they add something to my life? No, you just give yourself to them because God gave himself to you in his mercy. Let me sum up, though. I just want to give you a quick test and a quick challenge. Okay, here are the four things. These are the themes, the family themes here. Somebody tell me for them. Love will be what? Sincere, good. Love will be... Sorry? Bond or some sort of claim, yeah? Love will be... Dangerous, bit unsafe, risky. And finally, love will be potluck under God's good grace. Now, as you've been listening there, the Spirit of God will will have been moving in your heart, I pray. And he will be saying, you know what, I'm not quite sure what, or you'll be saying to yourself, I'm not quite sure what this is going to look like for me, but I want this. And I want people outside to see this. And I want people to love Christ for it. If you've been sitting there and thinking something along these lines, yeah, I wish such and such had heard this sermon. They need to work on that, 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 that and that. Who are you loving? 
See, Jesus isn't the centre of your life. You are, and you're using the church to get what you want, rather than being the church that God wants you to be. And some of you, you know, you need, that, you need extra support and extra love at the moment, and, that, and that's fine. You know, in a body, sometimes the toe gets snapped, doesn't it? And it takes time for the... It needs, it's caution from the rest of the body to get the toe back, back right. But why is the toe put back together in the first place? So that it can serve the body. Beware, please, of being somebody who, as you've, you've become part of the church family, you've received love, and you've, you've heard God's word, and, and it's stopped there. Where do we all want to be heading? We want to be growing in this love, so the love that I've received from God and other people, I start to model and give to other people. So I'm not now asking the question, why aren't they doing that for me? I'm asking the question, how can I do that for others? In the safety and the grace and the mercy that Jesus supplies. You know, if you're not a believer here today, you're particularly welcome. Um, And we are a bunch of hypocrites. But Christ is at work in us. And if we're a bunch of hypocrites, out there there's a bunch of hypocrites, and there's always space for one more in here. So why don't you come and join us by calling out to God for his mercy, putting your trust in him at the centre of your life, being the, the rescuer and shaper of your life, and join us as we try to be a community that lives family love day after day. Let's pray together before we sing.